0: Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to be talking about the marketing KPIs you should be tracking. Joining us is Kamala Thompson, who is the VP of Marketing at Calibre Mine, which is the leading B2B platform for Revenue Insights you can trust. And today, Kamala and I are going to discuss marketing KPIs to live by. Okay, here's my conversation with Kamala Thompson, the VP of Marketing at Calvermine. Kamala, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Big fan. Super excited to be here.
0: Well, I have to say, I'm a fan of the topic. And I, I feel like we as marketing leaders, yay, marketing leaders, we have hard jobs, people, CMOs have hard jobs. We are awash in KPIs. Yeah. We are awash in them.
1: Yeah. And it's Everybody has their own favorites. And I think that's kind of part of the problem.
0: (laughs) It's part of the challenge. You know, and I have to say, I've had guests on here. We've had deep conversations about unit economics. You know, we've talked about hacks and shortcuts to getting the right KPIs. But I always like to start these conversations with, give me an example of a KPI that marketers pay way too much attention to, but shouldn't.
1: Oh, website traffic. Top line website traffic drives me crazy. Instead of looking at conversion rates and how people are actually moving across the page, they look at website visits, the vanity metric. It really is. So I think that's one of the ones we should really just cross off the page.
0: Okay. Well, that goes my board meeting deck. Thank you for that, Campbell. That's just way too painful. That's a good <laughs> point. And I, I do think there are vanity metrics are out there that that do trouble us. Are there other examples of vanity metrics that drive you nuts that we should not be paying attention to outside of the typical unique user visits and website visits?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I see a lot of agencies presenting followers, likes, comments, shares on social media. It doesn't mean a whole lot. If you're interacting with a small amount of people, but they're directly in your ICP and target persona list and they are converting on your website, that's great. If you're attracting everyone with really funny content that doesn't really speak to what your brand does, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I've had a few blog posts with staff that have put cats in them. And it, it's <laughs> like the cat's going to get more traffic for us. Puppies, too. OK, so great. That makes sense. And I tend to agree. I feel like there's a lot of vanity metrics that are out there that we get lost in. But at the end of the day, we're we're both sort of small company B2B marketers, right? So we the bottom line is really critical for us, right? So we've got pipeline numbers to worry about. We've got resulting revenue numbers. We've got salespeople on our butts talking to me about pipeline Everything tends to land with marketing. Give me an understanding of some of the KPIs that make sense to pay attention to. Don't give us the great stuff yet, Kamala. I'll save that for the end. Like, so what are some of the early ones you really pay attention to, especially when it comes to that first day on the job? Like, What are those heuristics you're looking for as a marketing that say, yes, I'm seeing good or bad performance?
1: Yeah, It really depends on the infrastructure I have in place. And I'm unusual in that I have a 15-year background in revenue operations before I change to content marketing and then eventually marketing leadership. So my first concern is the ability to measure what I'm doing and get a pulse on whether or not what we're doing today is working. So where's the budget allocated? What's the output look like from that? And how sure are we that the output actually is meaningful? And I think like any good consultant-minded person, I'm going to tell you which metrics you're looking at really depend on the stage of your business. But if you don't have really simple, let's say demand generation workflows in your CRM and you're not certain that leads are being passed to sales and you can't measure whether or not sales is following up on them, you've got a problem. So I always recommend we start with making sure that those handoffs are clearly marked and people know their process and go from there.
0: So it sounds like, and by the way, the world is not going to be as simplistic as I'm going to talk about right now, but there are marketing leaders that tend to start from the top of the funnel down. And then there are the leaders that start bottom up, by the way, guys just really depends on the scenario. If your conversion rates are good at the bottom and you know, efficiency looks good, start from the top, but we all have an orientation. We start out, right. We start out analyzing some part of the funnel Campbell where do you land are are you starting at the bottom and working the efficiency route back up to the top of the funnel typically
1: yeah so it it's tough because as a marketer i have to kind of stay in my lane however my background in revenue operations i'm going to look i'm going to see if what i'm putting over the fence is being converted efficiently and then i want to look at different touch points and what is pushing the highest amount of interactions, and then how those are converting, because volume means far less to me than conversions and how that's moving into pipeline and revenue. And that's a hard sell for some executive teams and some boards that insist on starting with what's your MQL volume, because we need more at bats, because that's what really matters to sales.
0: (laughs) What you guys can't see is my eyebrows just shot up through the top of my office here, because what I was hearing was, I'm going to repeat this back. You've dealt with boards that are still asking for MQLs.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, not mine now, but yes, at past companies, it was all about lead volume. They wanted to know website visitor traffic. And I actually watched a VP of marketing be threatened because even though the revenue had doubled, their website visits had dropped. So marketing wasn't doing their job. And that's just a serious miseducation, misalignment when it comes to perception of what marketing is and does.
0: Especially in this advanced rocket age of marketing, where at the end of the day, you've got to have a little bit of a data scientist in you to be really able to function and understand. And you touched on this a moment ago, Kamala, but what I do want to focus on a bit is managing costs and how you use metrics to track. And we're talking about efficiency on some level, and it's hard to disambiguate these things. But what about from a cost standpoint, when you're looking at spend and you're thinking, am I efficiently spending? What are some of those costs metrics that you tend to lead into?
1: So I'm really fortunate in the technology stack that I have today. It saved me a lot of time. But what I ultimately try to get to is some form of attribution that looks at both the campaign type and the channel on the activity. So kind of this two-dimensional view so I can pivot between. The reason why I want to look at that is if I have in-person events and probably doing a lot of digital to push people to... You sign up for meetings, register, whatever we're doing at the time. The two areas I have to work the hardest to justify right now, and I'm sure a lot of marketers are feeling me out there, in-person events and then digital advertising. The rumors out there are that in-person events don't work anymore. People don't show up. The other rumor is that digital ads have never worked. In fact, there was a fabulous article. I think it was on Forbes, and it was about how... A bunch of big name brands before the pandemic shut off their digital advertising and didn't see a single change in their sales. So, justifying doing either of these activities, it's really necessary for me to look beyond conversions as we define them in Google Tag Manager or the system of record. You have To be able to, at this point in in time, unless you're really tiny, then you might be able to justify it. But if you're of any size, you really need to have the data infrastructure in place to tie all those things together. Get a web tracker, make sure that it's integrated with your reporting system. If you can't tie those efforts to pipeline and revenue, you need to start figuring out how to get that done.
0: Which sort of brings us back to this idea of the meeting place between the campaign object. your attribution model and making sure those things are tying out and i I would assume that for you that the ability to have uh campaign associated costs buttoned down extremely well allows you to spit out those really critical kpis cost kpis
1: yeah and i can look at roi another thing i do in order to get buy-in on something like marketing generated pipeline or marketing generated revenue You have to work really hard to get buy-in from the rest of the executive team on how you're estimating that. And you can use whatever model you want to use, but you need to have people believe in what you're doing. And I found that the key to that, and this is kind of controversial, is actually including touch points outside of marketing campaigns in your attribution model. And the reason why I do that is if I'm just looking at marketing data and I go to the sales team and say I'm responsible for 80% of the pipeline they're gonna have a fit because they worked really hard to close those deals. I totally understand. But if I'm incorporating their successful email replies, calls and meetings, and we're dividing touch points equally, then it's gonna be a lot easier for me to get executive buy-in from that sales VP and believing that my estimate is directionally accurate. And that's also some education I think we need to do as marketers a lot of executives I've worked with in the past have this really linear view of the buyer journey. One person going Plinko style down the, <laughs> the demand gen funnel. and We all know that's just not how it works, particularly with larger ticket items in the B2B space.
0: I'm going to take us just slightly off topic here because I think it will help people understand why the KPIs are what they are, and what they need to be, especially for you. And what I want to understand is this. There has been a lot of online arguing. I'm going to say this is happening on LinkedIn, right? And I'm going I'm to call out some folks here who have started kind of pressing on the argument. Ready? Terry Flaherty from Forrester, Matt Hines from Matt Hines Marketing, and John Russo from B2B Fusion. And the topic is this, the transition from leads to opportunities. And the utility of leads is a measure for the likelihood that we're actually investing correctly, but also... Whether the lead object or whether the lead itself is a useful metric or useful focus, rather, for marketers. So help me out here. Now it's we're a little bit like Northern Ireland-ish here. I feel like it's the Catholics versus the Protestants, just a wee bit here. Where do you land on that spectrum?
1: So I view marketing as very much a crawl, walk, run kind of thing. And as long as you're reporting on something consistently it can be useful. So I have our VP of data science, he quotes, I don't know who he's quoting, but he always says all models are wrong, but some are useful. I totally buy into that. So I have a hard time saying no leads aren't useful and we should wipe them out. Because I think as companies are growing, they start in a spot. It's okay to start there like you need to start with making sure your your lead transfer to sales is going smoothly. you need to be able to see how that object is being managed across the funnel. I get it. I would say though that in B2B we're selling to companies with buyer committees and if we can't aggregate the information and report at the top line level when it comes to either targeted accounts or accounts in general we're kind of missing the mark so it depends on your maturity i guess and how much of a stickler i am on which object you're looking at
0: (laughs) okay that's fair that's fair it's a tough question too and i I would say that i feel like the language that a lot of marketing leaders are adopting to recognize this transition and that transition represented quite often by account-based marketing, like KBM seems to be the leading edge of describing this, is to say, a lead is useful to the degree it helps expose the demand unit. And I know these things flux, right? So, hey, if you're you're a B2B marketer and your ASP is 6K and you're opportunity focused, what are you doing? You're on a one-to-one sale basis. So it's a lot to put on any conversation to say whether you're lead-based or not. I think it has more to do with market dynamics.
1: Well, and it's also hard for me to say that both aren't useful and have their points. So I don't know a single salesperson who doesn't want to know who requested a demo specifically. We can't raise accounts to them. So I think as we become more mature, we have to separate this idea in our head of the lead metrics rolling up to the executive team versus what we're focusing on in terms of accounts and opportunities and conversions along those lines because people will always need the person-centric process. Ultimately, we are selling to people, but when we're rolling up to the board, it's gotta look different. And we need to focus first on bookings, then pipeline, then our other metrics, because ultimately that's the punchline and we don't wanna bury the lead.
0: (laughs) Great, so I now know whether or not you're on the Northern Irish or Southern Irish border. I appreciate that so much. Folks, if you don't remember the troubles from the nineties, please forget them, they were horrible. But I will say it's it's helpful to understand lead-based, not lead-based, opportunity-based and dynamics of Kamala's world. So Kamala, top three KPIs to live by, what you got?
1: So there's caveats here, but basically we want marketing contributed revenue, marketing contributed pipeline. And if you have to use leads, you can here, but I also look at top line engagement. And that's not just website visits. We're looking across all channels and seeing whether or not certain tactics are effective in driving additional awareness or interaction. The caveat there is if you're using multi-touch attribution and you're trying to posit that it it represents how much marketing is is representing, you need to get buy-in across the executive team. It's difficult, but if you use a tool that integrates product signals marketing signals and sales signals and even channel those deal registrations and interactions you're tracking on your portal. That's the best way to get there. And in my experience.
0: Okay. I want to drill on one final thing you called out before we let you get back to the Seattle sunshine. That was a joke. People marketing contributed revenue. That's a toughie. That's a toughie. That's a really tough one, right? So Understanding that you've got a combination of MTA attribution challenge behind it, what's the value for you for marketing contributed revenue? What really helps kind of create a bottom line conversation with that?
1: Well, I can tell you... Since getting to a place with my technology where the other team members trust this number, my conversations with the board have gotten so much easier because what they're really trying to understand is how much do they need to invest in marketing in order to get a certain output. And if I can give them that information, one, you look like a rock star and they love you. And then two, it's just, it's what they're looking for. Let's give the people what they want.
0: Kamala, I love talking shop. Thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. It was a great conversation.
0: Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Kamala Thompson, VP of Marketing at CaliberMind for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Camilla and I are going to dig in and discuss marketing's war between science and art. Okay, if you can't wait until our next episode, would like to learn more about Camilla, You can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her on Twitter where her handle is, check it out, it's easy. Kamala Thompson, or visit our company website at calibermind.com. One more link in our show notes I want to talk about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions which we'll answer live in our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Sorry, no TikTok yet. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet, and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed. We're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.